Tonight I want to do something a little bit different than usual. Not the kosher switch. I don't want to do that. I did that already. Um, but that's four years old. And every couple of years it will come up again and everyone will make a tumult and then it will die down again. So whatever. Uh, you can listen to four years ago. This is a sheer. In fact, someone told me they listened to my sheer from four years ago about the kosher switch. And they said, do you realize you predicted the Shabbos app? Because at the end they said, the next thing they can do is they can make an app that you can use your phone on Shabbos. So apparently I... What? The what? It's what? It's out. It's out? Yeah. It, it no, exists? Bars. It's on the Google Play Store. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you could use it six days a week. So, uh, but today I want to do something, I want to do something a little bit different. Um, over Pesach, first of all, I hope everyone had a nice yantif. Um, over Pesach, on the first night of Pesach in Eretz Yisrael, before Pesach here in America, one of the Gidole HaPoskim, Rav Shmuel Halevi Vazner, Zechot Tzadik Vracha, passed away. He was Nifter on uh, the first night of Pesach. There were tragic Levaya as well, I'm sure you've, you've heard about. But um, I thought it would be when a posek of that stature uh, passes away, I thought maybe tonight's year would be sort of a tribute through his Torah to, uh, to Rav Vazner. So instead of just doing a collection of random Shilas that I was asked, maybe a collection of random Shilas that Rav Vazner was asked. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work with that. But before, uh, before we get to the Shilas that he was asked, I just want to go, if, um, for those who may, may not know who he was, just a little bit about who Rav Asner was. Rav Asner was born in Vienna in 1914, we believe. He was a close Talmud of Meir Shapiro in Yeshiva's Chachme Lublin. And he moved to Israel before the war. He uh, he was he he, he founded um, the Zichron Meir section of Bnei Brak and became the Rav of the Zichron Meir section of Bnei Brak and it's named after a Meir Shapiro and in fact he started a yeshiva in Bnei Brak called Chachmei Lublin uh, obviously named after the original Chachmei Lublin Chachmei Lublin is that yeshiva they they take it when when people go on tours in Europe nowadays with the yeshivas in Israel. That go in the, uh, they, they often take them to the building where Chachmei Lublin was. Meir Shapiro had this amazing idea. He had a few amazing ideas in his life. Tafiomi was a pretty good one. And he had this amazing idea of having yeshiva where you won't need anything outside of the yeshiva, where all your needs will be provided for in the yeshiva. The yeshiva would have an amazing library. The yeshiva would have food in the yeshiva, dormitories in the yeshiva. Crazy idea, right? And he came up with this, uh, with this plan and, and, and did all this fundraising and, uh, and, and wanted to establish yeshiva for Mitzuyanim, for really, really special bachrim. And the entrance exam for Chachmei Lublin was that he had to know 400 Jablak Amara Balpeh. That was just to get it. That wasn't to be the best guy. That was to be the worst guy in Chachmei Lublin. He had to know 400 Jablak Amara Balpeh. So, uh, so the, the Bochein, I'm told, at Chachmei Lublin was, uh, was a teenager by the name of Pinchas Hirschprung. Uh, Hirschprung is a chronicle of Rachel, was Rav Montreal, who was a uh, had a photographic memory. They said Rav Hirschprung was able to do the pin test. He was the bochim because they just needed someone who just knew it all by heart. So he was uh, he would test whether the people actually knew. So Rav uh, Rav Vazner learned in Chachmei Lublin and then sort of took that Masora and brought it to uh, to Eretz Yisrael. I had the opportunity here uh, online at least Rav Asher Weiss talk about. Uh, the passing of Ravazner, and he said, you know, when, when someone dies at the age of 101 or 102, conflicting reports, how old he was, but come on, what difference does it make? So when someone dies, he's, 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 he's that old. So, you know, 
is it really a reason to cry? You know, halavayalenu. We should we should all be zocha to live to live so long. So why why is it that uh, that people? Uh, why do we have to express sadness over the loss of uh, someone who lived a full life and his whole life, you know, was still writing tshuvas and still you know very active in uh, in doing the things that he did best till pretty much the very end. So Vashra had two two approaches. He says first of all, when a father dies, regardless of how old he is, you cry. And the uh, the the Chachmei Adar have a din of like the father of the generation, and for uh, the Gadol Adar or Gadol Adar have a din of like the father of the generation. So we cry over that. And second of all, he said, when the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed, even if the Beis Hamikdash was over four hundred years old, when it gets destroyed, you cry. And Shkula Misa Sadikim Kesreifas Beis Elokeinu Chazal say so. When Misa Sadikim, it's a, it's an occasion for for sadness. It's an occasion. For, uh, for, for being sad over the loss of a great tzaddik, over the loss of a great uh, gadol and a posek in Klal Yisrael. Rav Asher also quoted Chaznish. Chaznish Mabakama asks why it is that, you know, Rishonim often quote uh, different Rishonim, and they just quote, you know, Rishonim Zal, Zichron Levracha, but there's one, one Rishon that they always say about him, Kol Dvar of Divrei Kabbalah. That Kol Dvar of Divrei Kabbalah, you know what that is? They always say Rabbeinu Hananel. Rabbeinu Hananel, Kol Dvar of Divrei Kabbalah. What does that mean? Kol Dvar of Divrei Kabbalah. Everything Rabbeinu Hananel is Divrei, Divrei Kabbalah. So apparently there's Chaznish. I didn't have a chance to look it up. But Rav Asher Weiss quoted as Chaznish that says, is Rabbeinu Hananel apparently had a kesher to a previous generation of Gedolim that others didn't. So he had access to information that no one else had access to. So Kol Dvar of Divrei Kabbalah means that he was able to bring into the Torah conversation elements that we would other, otherwise would have had omitted from the Torah conversation because of who he knew. And Rav Asher was saying that Rav Asher was someone who learned by Rav Meir Shapiro. You know, he had access, he was close with the Chazanish, he had access to Gedola Yisrael that, uh, that we, don't, we don't find that, that many people that, uh, that had that kind of kesher with, uh, with someone like Rav Meir Shapiro. He was a tremendous, tremendous bucky, as you would expect. The thing that I, that I like about his chuvas, about Rav Asher's chuvas, uh, Shevet Alevi, he has 11 volumes of Shadows Tshuva, Shevet Alevi. First of all, I don't think that was his greatest contribution, as far as my learning was concerned, at least. His greatest contribution, as far as my learning was concerned, was this Sefer, Shirei Shevet Alevi and Hilchas Nida. For anyone who studies for Smicha, when you learn it, it, it was probably a full year where I never left the house without this, this Sefer under my arm. In terms of Hilchas Nida, it's a phenomenal Sefer in Hilchas Nida. One of the things that I appreciate so, so much about Rav Vazner's style of learning was that it's very yasha. There was no, it wasn't a, a chap and a brilliance and a this and a, it was, it was just a very, you know, yasher way of going through a sugya. He would learn through a sugya, tour, base Yosef, what the base Grishonim say, what the Shulchan Aruch says, very reasonable approach to a sugya that you don't have to be a genius to be able to follow. It's like there's some, some, some people's minds like, are, are just so incredible that you see that it's just like a display of the raw power of their brilliance. That wasn't Rav Vazner. Like an Avni Nezer, for example. You read a chub of the Avni Nezer and it's like, whoa, you know, where did he come up with that? Comes, you know, twist the whole thing around and it's, uh, and then it's, uh, it's spectacular. It's amazing. It's also something, as you read it, I don't know about you, as I read it, I know it's something I would never be able to do. Not on, 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 on any level. Or 
you read uh, the Ragachavar, if you could ever read a Ragachavar. They say the Ragachavar was very good in, in, in uh, orally. He was able to speak beautifully, verbally. He was, he was excellent. Rav Zevin writes in Ishim Rashitos, for some reason in writing, whether it was on purpose or not, you can't understand a word he says in, in, in writing. But they say when he would give a shear, you'd understand everything perfect. But just the, everything's a chap and a brilliance, and a, the Bikis was astounding. Rav Asner was very straight down the, you know, the, the way you would think. The way you would think is an appropriate way to go through a sugi la'alacha and that you could actually mimic, just not on as great a level because we haven't reviewed all of Shas as many times as he did and we don't know it at our fingertips. So it's, but it's that kind of thinking that I think is very, is very relatable. Um, Rav Asher said that like whenever he would talk to Rav Asher, I was surprised that Rav Asher Weiss had such um, nice things to say about Rav Asher's learning because every time I ever heard Rav Asher Weiss quote Rav Asher, it was Rav Asher said this and and this is why he's wrong, and this is why I say, you know, otherwise. But that's Kachidarka Shel Torah. That's the normal Melchanta Shel Torah that Gedola Yisrael are supposed to have. Um, there, there are a couple of stories that I, I don't know if... One story, a couple of stories about There are a couple of stories they say about uh, Ravaz. There aren't many. I, I, I tried to look around and ask around. I haven't found, I'm sure our school will come out with a book in like a week, and, uh, and, and then we'll find out more stories. But the couple of stories that are going around, one Ravaz Weiss alluded to is the, uh, the famous story of his rejection from Chachmei Lublin. That apparently when he applied to Chachmei Lublin, he was, he was from Vienna, so he took a train and made it all the way to Poland, to Lublin, and he went to take his Bechina, and he failed. And they rejected him from the yeshiva. And he said, okay, I just took a train, a whole ride here. I'm going to have to take a whole schlep back. So in the meantime, well, I'm here for one night. It was so difficult to learn on the way here. It's going to be difficult to learn on the way back. So he decided I'll stay up all night learning. So he was staying up all night learning, and there was no light in the base medrash. So he was by a window, by the moonlight, hunching over, looking at the Gemara at the moonlight. And Rav Meir Shapiro walks in the base medrash. He says, who are you? I've mean, never met you before. And he said, oh, I just came from Vienna to take a bechina to come to yeshiva. And, uh, and I failed, so I was rejected. But I figured, I'm a, I need to learn. I need to, to, to uh, I'm starving for it, so I had to stay up. I figured I'd just stay up all night, all night learning. And Mayor Shapiro said, you're not going anywhere tomorrow. You're staying right here. And that's how he was accepted to, uh, to Chachmei Lublin. And apparently the, the story goes, the extension to the story is, that Rameir Shapiro said to him, and in the Zuchus, that you were hunched over a Gemara late at night, you should be Zoha, that as long as you live, you should never need a cane to be hunched over a cane. And Zuchus, that you're squinting your eyes like that, you should be Zoha never to need eyeglasses. And to the age of 101, he never needed a cane or glasses. That's what they, uh, that's, that's what they, what they say. Um, someone told me, I told that story over Yantif, and someone told me that they're friendly with Ravaz his grandson or great-grandson or something and uh, he said the story is not true. That, <laughs> it's a little upsetting but he said that Rav Asner actually was accepted to Chachmei Lublin and he did stay up that whole night after he was accepted and, um, and, and Rameir Shapiro saw him in the base Medrash and what, the reason he had such close cash with Rameir Shapiro is that Rameir Shapiro was so impressed that after taking such an exhausting bechina like that, 400 blot, that he didn't go to rest. He went straight to learn. You know, like after you take a major test, the, I don't know, SAT, an LSAT, a bar exam. You know, what do you do? You just want to relax, veg, listen to music. I don't know what people do. They, they, don't, they don't go learn for eight hours in the base measures. And the fact that he was willing to do that, that was what he wanted to do after such an exhausting bechina, that's what impressed him. Mayor Spear so much. I was a little disappointed to hear that version of the story because part of, to, part of what was so empowering to me was that 
you know, he, the, it's how to handle rejection. When, when something doesn't go right in our lives, so what do we normally do? When something, uh, you know, when, when we really hoped for something and wished for something, then we didn't get it. We got rejected. So we get angry, we pout, we shut down, and we go, you know, and do something totally unproductive, if not counterproductive. And what did he do? He went and he learned more. Because what does Rebun Shalom want from me? If I get into Yeshiva, he wants me to learn. If I don't get into Yeshiva, he wants me to learn. So he went and he learned, and he learned more Torah. So to me, that version of the story was, uh, Rav Ashwais told that version of the story. He told the version of the story where he got rejected. And Rav Ashwais said, I don't think it's Lashon Hara or embarrassing to say about Rav Ashwai that he got rejected from Yeshiva. I think it's embarrassing for the Bochei to say about it. That it how, do you not, how do you reject Rav Ashwai? What's wrong with you that you reject Rav Ashwai? But it makes sense if the Bochein was the first one. He was a teenager. What is he? he was just uh, testing if he knew the foreign blood. Maybe he didn't know. Okay, whatever. These are kashas on the Misa side. So the, the other Misa they say about Rav Azner is that uh, Rav, when um, Rav, uh, Rav Dan Segel visited Vienna, he somehow got his hands on the Sefra Kihilos which is, I guess, a collection of important events or stories that happened in the Jewish community in Vienna. And he saw there was a Misa of a young girl from a family named Schiff in the early 1900s who had a beautiful voice. And the opera, the Vienna opera, found out about her and about her incredible voice, and they recruited her. They tried to get her to join the Vienna opera, and she was from a religious family, and the family was devastated that she's going to go and join the opera. They thought that that was not, uh, not, not a proper thing for a from girl to be doing. But uh, this was her talent. She wanted to use her talent. So her father brought her to Rav Shlomo Baumgarten, who was, tried to convince her, but he wasn't successful. So Rav Shlomo said, you know, the Kapishnitz Rebbe is going to be coming. Maybe you should take her to, to visit the Kapishnitz Rebbe. So they brought her to the Kapishnitz Rebbe, and she was gearing up for a fight. You know, figuring the Kapishnitz Rebbe is going to give it to her over the head. What are you, crazy? You're going to be a singer? What is that in your mind? And the Kapishnitz Rebbe just spoke to her very calmly and said, what is it? Tell me, is it, is it the money? You want to be rich? You want to have a lot of money? She said, no, it's not the money. I, I, I'm sort of more in, enthralled with the idea of the fame. You know, that my name is going to be in bright lights and that everyone's going to know who I am. And it's pretty exciting to me. And uh, the Kapishnitz Rebbe said, how about this? I'll give you a bracha that you'll have a child, you're going to be famous, but not through yourself, through a child that you're going to have who's going to light up the world with his Torah, and that's going to be your claim to fame, and that way you'll be famous in Olam Hazah and in Olam Abba, and that will be instead of, instead of this, if you, uh, if you agree not to go. So, uh, so this shift girl said, uh, okay, fine, and she decided not to take the offer for the opera and to make her parents happy, and she took the bracha. So Rav Dan Segel saw the story, and he said, okay, what happened to this girl? He wanted to track it down. So he traced it down, and he found this was Rav Asner's mother. So he went to Rav Asner, and he said, is this story true? I found this story. Is it a, is it a true maestro? Rav Asner said, tell you the truth, my mother never told me that story, so I don't know that it's true, but I'll tell you this. A, she had an incredible voice. Everyone in the family knew she had, she had a very, very uh, a powerful, incredible voice. And B, when I went to Chachmei Lublin, she told me, she kept on warning me, you better learn really well there because you have no idea what I gave up for you to be a God of the Torah. <laughs> so he said, maybe that's it. Every Jewish mother gives a little bit of guilt, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that was, uh, maybe he said, so it's, 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 it's shayich, it's shayich that it's, uh, that, it's, that it's true. So those are the stories they tell about uh, Ravaz. The other story they tell is that he was reading... Um, 
he was reading a tshuva from Ravadia, uh, and one of Ravadia's tshuvas, Ravadia, you know how Ravadia writes in the tshuva, he comes up with an idea and he says, V'chein kasav, blah, 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 and he gives you a whole list of svarim, and all these, uh, you know, all these svarim say like this. And it said, V'chein kasav, b'shalaz tshuva, shevet alevi. And Ravadia said, I, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> and he said, Give me a shave. He told someone, Give me a shave in a lady volume, whatever. And he opens it up, and sure enough, that's what he said. And he said, Look at that. Ravadia knows my chuvas better than I know my own chuvas. We should all be Zohar to have the Hasmada to be like Ravavadia. It's interesting that he said the Hasmada to be like Ravadia. People talk about Ravadia. Everyone talks about how Rav, just photographing memory. The genius of Ravadia. When Mori Rabi, after Ravadia passed away, and Rav Shakta would talk about Ravadia, he would say the Hasmada. The Hasmada is incredible. How Ravadia knew all that with his Hasmada, with his hard work. He never stopped learning. That's all he focused on was the Hasmada of Ravadia, not the uh, the genius of uh, of, of Ravadia. So uh, that's what, that was Rav Vazner's, uh take as well, apparently. So I think his his influence is pretty significant. First of all, his Sefer in Nida, his 11 uh, volumes of Shadows of Tshuvas, he started Paschini Alachas as soon as he came to Yerushalayim in 1939. He's 25 years old. He didn't publish, this is also a good Musr, he didn't publish the first volume of Shevet Alevi until 1970. So if you do the math, he was 56 years old when he published the first volume of Shevet Alevi, which means he was in the business for 30 years before he published anything, before he published a, a Shadows of Sefer, which is also a certain... Um, it shows a certain maturity that uh, not every uh, not every young schnook should be publishing their shalos and chuvas. Of uh, you know, you wait till you're established and you have you have what to, you have what to say. Once asked Rav Shachter, are you ever gonna? He writes what, what on Fridays. Rav Shachter goes to the OU office and writes chuvas all day. All the new issues that came up in Kashrus. And if you ever saw him write a chuva, it's it's like pretty remarkable to watch. He uh, gets a shayla. He thinks. <laughs> he just writes out the whole thing perfectly without like it's, I, I don't know how brain processes things like that so I asked are you ever going to publish a show he said ah, I don't have anything worth publishing I beg to differ I, I would think that you, they, that you do but um, but he didn't publish the first statement Sachs told me once that um, that he I remember when Rav Asher Weiss first came to America like uh, one of the first rounds when he came to America so I guess he was I don't know in his 40s and no one ever heard of him. He had no idea who he was. He hadn't published anything yet. And then, like, all at once, like, I don't know how many stars he has, 30? Like, all at once, like, he just came out one after the other, after the other, after the other. Like, where was this guy hiding? <laughs> no one knew about this guy. He was unbelievable. So Rav Sachs told me once that, uh, Rav Sachs also didn't publish till, till fairly recently. And then, <laughs> again, one right after the other, right after the other. Unbelievable. Golden. Everything is, like, unbelievable. And he said that he, he and Rav Asher gave each other brachas when they first started publishing Svarim, that they should be zocha to publish many more Svarim. So Rav Sachs said, you know what that means? My bracha is more powerful than Ravash's bracha. <laughs> Look how many more smart he's published than I have. <laughs> that was clever. Um, so, uh, so as someone who published Chuvas that span the last, you know, anything that happened between 1940 and 2015, uh, the, 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 the imprint of uh, what Rav left us in terms of the Torah legacy is pretty significant. Any, the, the, with all the technological advances and medical advances and everything, he has what to say on pretty much any major issue that came up over all those years. So that's pretty significant. And that's going, you know, you ask people, who's the post of the last generation? So if you're asking a Sephardic person, so Yosef, it's pretty 
you know, there's nothing to debate really. But you ask, you ask an Ashkenazi person, who's the Posek Adar of this past generation? So usually Rebel Yashiv will be, will be the answer. It, 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 part of me believes that although that's true, you know, in 100 years from now or 200 years from now, Rav Vazner's name may carry more weight than Rebel Yashiv's because Rebel Yashiv never wrote anything. You know, all this farm they have of Rebel Yashiv, he didn't publish or approve of their publication for that matter. You know, when, when someone came to wish Rebel Yashiv a Mazel Tov on the publication of Kovitz Chuvis, he said, what are you talking about? They didn't find his back. They just, they collected a bunch of things that he had written here and there and they put together a Sefer. Rav Azar was publishing Chuvis and ultimately uh, the Torah that, uh, that gets written is the Torah that's studied in Bate Medrash over many, many years. You have to imagine that the, the legacy is going to be a fairly, a fairly significant one, especially since he also managed to avoid controversy um, for, for the most part. Um, so I want to go through a couple of what I think are his more important tshuvas. Now I am far from a bucky in uh, the tshuvas of, of Rav Asner, but uh, as it goes with many things, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And I have a friend, Rabbi Isaac Rice, who he's, I, I don't know if he's just like brilliant or if he just has an incredible system of finding things and knowing where things are, or both, I'm not sure. But I, I sent him an email, you know, can you send me things of, uh, you know, some, some of Rav Asner's more interesting tshuvas, and like 10 minutes later he's like, this is the best I could do on the Chalamoi trip that I'm on right now, and it was like a list of like 20 tshuvas, you know, the exact Maramakom and the topic that they were on. So he <laughs> sort of opened the door for me a little bit. Um, in Rav Asner has a tshuva about Derek Halimud, which I found to be somewhat interesting. In Shevet HaLevi Chelek Bey, Simon and Zion, it was a tshuva that uh, Talmud, who was obviously struggling, asked him and he said, my problem is that I, I, I forget everything. The Talmud said, I don't have a good memory, so give me uh, some Eitzah, how can I be successful in learning, given the fact that I'm very limited because I have a, I have a terrible memory. Um, it happens to be, just uh, practically speaking, it turns out that there's really not such a thing as a bad memory. Um, there, there are ways to improve your memory, and there, there are people who don't know how to remember things, and they learn a few tricks, memory tricks, and they you know, you could win memory contests and remember re- long lists of random things. It's about contextualizing and coming up with a storyline and mnemonics. Like there's a whole, it's not, it's not uh, and it's also about what's important to you. Like you remember things that are very, very critical to you. You don't remember things that aren't, uh, that aren't so critical to you. You remember, you know, you hear a drasha and there's a story in the drasha that really, you know, that you laughed at or that inspired you. And there's a whole long drasha with all this Torah. So what did the rabbi speak about? And you're able to repeat the story, every detail without any problem with the inflection properly and with the excitement of the rabbi. And you're able to, to do that. But the, what, what was the Torah? Something about a Gemara somewhere. You know, it's like you don't have the, why is that? Because you connect it to it and something that you connect to emotionally you, you, you remember better so when you connect to Torah emotionally then, uh, and, and it's that important to you that every word of Torah is that important to you then uh, you remember better that's what they, the, uh, I think they, the, the Rameir Simcha said about no, the Raghachavah said about Rameir Simcha I think in his husband for Rameir Simcha if I'm not mistaken the Raghachavah said about Rameir Simcha that you know, when, when, when a person is uh, you know, trying to exercise let's say or trying to run or trying to do something so he hits a limit of what he could do what he could accomplish and then once he hits that, that wall he doesn't accomplish anymore but imagine the house is on fire. If the house is on fire, all of a sudden he has this adrenaline and he's able to, uh, to 
jump out of a second floor window and land on his feet and be fine and things he never would have imagined that he's able to do. He said, Raghachavar, probably alluding you know, to, to his own incredible innate genius, you know, for some people, they just, they know things and they remember things because Hashem blessed them with a good memory. And for some people, they know things and they're successful and they remember things because for them, every word of Torah is like the house is on fire. That every word of Torah is so important to them. It's so, that they, they hit, I can't, it's not an option to forget this word of Torah. It's not an option to not understand this word of Torah. That the house is always on fire for them. It's not an option to not jump out of the window. You have no options of the address and pushes you and you're able, you're able to do it. So, but that's not what Rav Azir says. Rav Azir says, first of all, to discuss Derech Halimut requires Arichus Gadol, so I, I'm only going to give you a little bit, a few Rashi Prakim. He says, you have to realize, first of all, that Torah is only, is not only for the elite, and it's not only for people who have a good memory, it's not only for the people who are brilliant, it's even for people who maybe get rejected from Chachmei Lublin. He doesn't say that. But it's, it's for everybody. It's for every Jew. And you have to believe that. We have to believe that every Jew has a chelik in Torah and one is not living a complete Jewish life unless he has Talmud Torah in his life. That's a critical yesod. A lot of people don't realize that. They assume, yeah, I do Jewish things. I'm, I'm Shomer Mitzvot. And I do. If there's no Talmud Torah, there's a major void in the life of a Jew. A Jewish neshama needs Talmud Torah. Torah is for everybody. Whether you're a Bal Kishron Gadol, Bal Zichron Gadol, or not, it's irrelevant. He quotes the Gemara Sanhedrin, Kolamanea, Lachem, Pitalmud, Kilu Gazlo, Minachlas Avosav. That anyone who is Monea Halacha from any Talmud, it's like you're, you're stealing the Nachla of his, uh, you're stealing his inheritance, his, his father's inheritance. Morasha Kihilas Yaakov. It's a Yerusha Uba, Mishashis It's our Yerusha all the way from uh, from Sheshis Yimei Bereshis. It doesn't matter if you're about Kishron Gadol or not. And the uh, person has to work hard and try to try to develop memory. But he says, in terms of the actual nuts and bolts of Torah, one can divide Torah learning into two parts. There's Yediyas HaTorah and there's Iyun HaTorah. So he says, Yediyas HaTorah is that a person should learn all of Shas, and then Vahadul Izbar, like the Gemara says in Shabbos, Samach Gimel, that you learn everything, and then you start explaining. But you have to have a base of knowledge to learn things. You're, gonna, you're only going to spend a whole, uh, whole Zman on one Daf of Gemara, and you're going to be hacking about things that are directly addressed on Daf Gimel and Dalit and Hey. And you're not going to know anything. It's important to, to know things first, and then you have the raw materials to work with, so that when you try to be Mazbir, you can play plug in. Oh, there's a riot from there, a riot from there. It's amazing. Even in, in high school, I, have with, uh, I teach a, a second level, not that there are any levels, but it's a second level, high school 11th grade year. And uh, so these are not the Mitsuyanim. So we finished Masechus Makos in the first semester. So now when we come across something that comes up in Makos, where, uh, where I say like... Um, uh, where else do we find this in this Masechta? You know, how many times this come up in the Masechta? So guys are able to say, oh, that Indian of, uh, of doing one Misa and, and getting multiple molecules comes up five times in the Masechta. Here, there, 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 there. And it just gives a certain shlemus to the picture of your learning that you have to have a base of knowledge in order, how many times is hitting kids come up in Masechta's Makos? Three times in Masechta's Makos the Indian comes up in different contexts. Whatever, different things that keep on uh, rearing their heads. In uh, Masechta you have to have a a, uh, a broad base base of knowledge, and he says that's what they used to do in the times of the Baliatosos. They would uh, they would work very hard to know Kala Talmud. 
constantly chazring everything in the Gemara, and then they would start working on how to make things, uh, how to make things, how to make things fit, and how to make things work. So that is that is one element of Torah. And then he says. Um, there's the chelik ha'iyun. There's the element of iyun Torah. And what is iyun Torah all about? He says iyun Torah is la asuke shmeitza aliba dehilchasa asherhi hamadrega hachi gedola b'torah. The greatest madrega in Torah is to know how la asuke shmeitza aliba dehilchasa to be able to come out with a psak halacha from a Gemara. Mori Virabi says this over and over again, and people look at him like he's from a different planet. You go to yeshivas and you say, what should I my focus be in learning? You should know how to learn a sugya through, where you look at the Torah and the Beis Yosef afterwards, and the basic Rishonim, and you know how, to, how it plays out in the Shulchan Aruch, and how it plays out in the Nosei Kalim, and everyone looks at you like, what, that's so not the yeshivish way to do things. But that's, that's what he says, that's the Iker of Iyan HaTorah. Now to be fair, that's generally what the Postkim say, is the Iker of Iyan and the great Rashi Yeshivas, who are not Poskim, will say the Ikra Viyanat Torah is something else. But that's uh, but he says the Ikra Viyanat Torah is Asuka Shmaitz Alibadil Chasa. And he says it's not just me. He says Pam Amarli. A lot of people don't know where this story comes from. Everyone knows this story, but they 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 misattribute this story. He says Pam Amarli Gaon Yisrael Chazanish Zuchusa Yagin Aleinu. One time the Chazanish told me Be'echon Misichosaviti. That uh, in one of our conversations, Chazisa, when he was very young, he did a lot of learning of Tur Beis Yosef. And his friends mocked him. Chazanish was being mocked as a child. Now, if you would have told me Chazanish was being mocked as a child, I would have said maybe he wasn't a good athlete or he wasn't. They were mocking him in learning, the Chazanish. They were saying, ah, what's going to be Vamrushia Malami Tinokos? Yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're learning Tur Beis Yosef. Maybe you'll make a good second grade Rebbe. Maybe you'll go, be a good Malami Tinokos. They would mock him for his style of learning. V'siyem va'amar, Baruch Hashem, ki na'asesi ma'asha na'asesi. Chazesh said, I became what I became. Okay. And the, the unspoken second part is, and they became what they became. But the Chazanish became the Chazanish. How did he become the Chazanish? By learning that style of Torah Beisos of Asuke Shmaitza, Alibad Hill says. And that which you say that you forget things, he says, there's no such thing. Chazer. You chazer a lot, then you won't forget. It's all about Chazara. Go over and over and over again. It's a very challenging part of learning. Have a system of Chazara. Have a, you know, come up with a way to, uh, to, to Chazar till you remember it. And he says, the, uh, and, 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 and then he says, and the final thing is, after all the Eitzos I can give you, it's unbelievable. You know, when we daven, we daven, if you know someone who's sick, in Rifa'enu, you daven with tremendous kavana. You know, if you need parnasa, so you daven with tremendous kavana for parnasa. You know, we daven for Yerushalayim, and things going on in Eretz Yerushalayim, Mircha, Barachim, and Toshuv. You know, you daven for certain things, Semach David. You have certain tremendous kavanas. How many people who are not great Talmidei Chachamim and want to be successful in learning have in mind when they daven that I'm really davening for success in learning. He says the Iker in, 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 in being successful in anything is that you have to daven for these things. It should mean something to you. That's not just a throwaway line. You know, just get me to Kriya Shema, just like a throwaway line. 
No, you, gotta, you have to mean that, and you have to daven for it. You have to daven for success in learning. And he says, then you'll see with hasmada, with tefila, samaya asadam yachem yarba yeshiva. You sit and learn and daven a lot, and uh, that Hakadosh Baruch should give you success. And try la Try to make sure you know a lot, you know everything, and then you'll be successful in learning. So that I thought was very interesting. His tshuva about learning. I wanted to do a tshuva that he has also about sviras uh, haomer. Ravazna has a, a few a few chuvas of Esfiras Omer, but probably the most famous one is one that appears in Chelik Gimel Simon Sadi Vav, and then the follow up is in Chelik Dalit Simon Kufn and Zayin, where he talks about a situation where the rabbi of a shul has missed had missed a night of Sphira. And the minute in that shul is that after Mariv, the rabbi says the bracha and uh, counts Sphira for everyone. So the Shaila was, is there any Eitzah for the for the rabbi? So Vazir points out that it is a fundamental machlok as we shown him, whether each and every night is a separate mitzvah or it's one big mitzvah. Rov, we shown him, really assume, and the way we really probably paskin meikar adin is that each and every night is a separate mitzvah. And therefore, really, if you miss a night, a lot of people make the mistake, they say, oh, I'm out of it. So they end up not counting the rest of the nights, and they're being mevatel a mitzvah. Or Salvechik used to say, you see from there the koach of a birchas a mitzvah. And how important a birch mitzvah is. Second, when you take away a birch mitzvah, everyone forgets the mitzvah. They just stop doing the mitzvah. That's how important a birch mitzvah is. People neglect mitzvahs that don't have a birch mitzvah. But but it's wrong when when you miss a night. Make sure you count every other night. According to Rov Rishonim, you still have a mitzvah to do it. We pass into Rabbanon, but it's still a mitzvah. You still have a mitzvah to do it the same way you had a mitzvah before. It's just that you can't say the bracha because of the suffix. So Vazir says. But in the case where you're dealing with a rabbi, where it's a Kavad Torah issue, that uh, people are going to look down at the rabbi for, uh, for not counting. So he says in that case, he thinks that, uh, that you could be mekel and allow the rabbi to, uh, to count Sfira with a bracha. Um, and he says, uh, he says, because we know of Gedolim that counted with a bracha even when they missed the night where it wasn't a Kavad Torah issue, but certainly when it's an issue of Kavad Torah. And he says, we find Nitzrach uh, Limekavav, let's say the post can talk about someone has to go to the bathroom and he's a chazan. So, uh, but it's going to be embarrassing to stop davening because he has to he has to go to the bathroom. So, uh, so he says post kumar makeup if they let him continue to daven even though he has to go to the bathroom. So he says similar over here for for the covenant of beers. But then in shevet alevi chel talzim kufin and zayin he says it's only for the rabbi. It's not for the chazan. If the chazan has such a thing, it's not a covenant Torah issue. That's just his own covenant issue. He says I would only be makeup for the sake of the covenant Torah of the rabbi. So the shawal said to Rav Asner, why, why not say a better etzah? Have someone else say the bracha and you know have him pull over a friend of his who still. He was still counting with the bracha. Tell him, I'm going to say the bracha for you, so you won't say the bracha. I, the rabbi, will say the bracha for you. You have in mind that you're being yosef to my bracha. Then his bracha won't be bracha levatala because he's saying it for the sake of his friend. Won't that work? So Rav Azra says he doesn't think that works. He doesn't think that that, um, that, that etzah works. He says uh, the... the um, uh, even though the Shulchan Aruch says, but in Hilchus Havdal, in Reish Sadizayim, that if someone, let's say, doesn't have the sense of smell, uh, so he's not able to smell the sun, still make the bracha as long as other people are smelling, but he says, we don't pass that way. Many of the achronim have a major problem with that and, and, and disagree with that, with, that, uh, with that halacha, and therefore, he says, he doesn't think that we, uh, that we can rely on saying a bracha for someone else when the bracha has no, has no bearing on you. So that's just a Sefirah uh, Sa'omer issue. Rav Asherweis, by the way, vehemently disagrees with this psaq of Rav Asher. This is one of the places where I first saw Rav Asher. Rav Asher says... Kavod Torah, you know, give real Kavod Torah. If people see that the rabbi is so honest, 
or that the rabbi is human, and that everyone could be human, and that it's okay, that you can be a human being and make mistakes also. That's also Kavra Torah. And that he's so honest that he's not embarrassed to, uh, to, to do what the correct halach is. That's also Kavra Torah. Okay, you can see both sides of that issue, I think. Um, the, why would how how would be able to say uh, the Pesachim Gishon be able to say um, Mei Aserisim for the Chassan Kalei? Yes, that was a special takana because for for people who are in the That's assuming it's for them. It's also Machlokas Rishonim. It's Machlokas Rishonim whether it's Birch Shavach or Birch Samitzvah. So if it's Birch Samitzvah, really the Chassan should say it. If it's Birch Shavach, so there's nothing wrong with the Sadik Gidushin saying it. But even if it's Birch Samitzvah. The assumption that uh, there will be a chasen that's in Yodaya, not shalvayish smishay in Yodaya, so Misakin and the Misal Kiddushin says it. Yeah, but the shalvayish smishay in Yodaya, you have like the Mishnah Bikurim like that, that, uh, that we do Mikra Bikurim, shalvayish smishay in Yodaya, to, uh, to avoid that kind of a situation. That's uh, apparently a bigger busha. Um, just one more tube I wanted to share with you. This comes up. Uh, my brother is a is a moel in uh, Palo Alto, California. So uh, when you're a moel in Palo Alto, in a place like Palo Alto, uh, you end up doing a lot of prison for people who aren't so religious, so uh, or aren't religious at all. Sometimes not Jewish. But that's a different story. So uh, so he was he was asked on a couple of occasions. To, a baby was born on Shabbos and he was supposed to do a bris milah on Shabbos but he knew that if he does the bris on Shabbos that everyone's going to drive there everyone's going to be Michal Shabbos to get there so Vazman actually has a tshuva about, about this issue about delaying a bris to avoid causing Chil Shabbos I found it to be fascinating because he, he writes in the tshuva this is in Chelek Dalet Simen Kuflam and Hey so he writes and, and, and he says that if you to he says uh, I, my shita is very clear if you know that that's going to happen then then you should definitely push off the bris for the next day and his right is even to, to bring the izemel for the tzorich of the mila if it's going to involve Shabbos, the kalim that you need to do the bris, you're, you're, you're not allowed to be Michal Shabbos and you'll have to wait till Sunday to do the bris. So for sure, when it comes to, uh, to, to people driving and doing all sorts of other malachos, he says, I, you might taina. No, that's the point. The izemel is l'tzor hamila, so you're, you're, where you're the one that's being Michal Shabbos. Over here, you're not the one that's being Michal Shabbos. Other people are driving. He says... I hear what you're saying. I don't think that's correct, though. I don't think that chilik is correct. And he has a riot from Taisus Masechus Beitza about Kvuras Mesa Yom Tov. We're not going to have time to get into it. But what I was fascinated by is that apparently the Shoel said that I know this is your shita, but I saw in Igros Moshe that Moshe says otherwise. So that, that fascinated me, that Ramesha says otherwise. Why did it fascinate me? Because my brother married a uh, great-granddaughter of Ramesha and is infatuated with Ramesha. He does everything like Ramesha Shita's. And he's a Talmud of uh, Ravnata Greenblatt, who's a big Talmud of Ramesha. So my brother always asks his Milosh, as Ravnata Greenblatt is also, probably doesn't do it anymore, but was a Moel for many, many years. And uh, he asks a lot of his Milosh, as Ravnata. And when he asks his Ravnata, Ravnata told him to delay the bris not to do the Milan Shabbos. There's no way that Rav Moshe said to, to do it on Shabbos, if, and, and then Rav Nath is saying to delay the bris. So, so Rav Asur says, I know you tell me in Igros Moshe, it says, not like I'm saying, I happen to have never seen that Shuvah in Igros Moshe, Rav Asur says, 
But I disagree anyway. Whatever, you know, if, if that's what he says, then I disagree and I'm entitled to my opinion. So I had to find the tshuva. So the tshuva is in Yeradeh, and listen to what the tshuva was. Rav Moshe says, there are people who are not religious, and you tell them not to be mechalav, so they don't listen to you not to be mechalav Shabbos. Sheshol malas kvoda ulaylo yelech kishi is damin lo od pam bris eitzal anashim over das kedei shelo yire hachilul Shabbos. The shaila was not that he's being goreim chilul Shabbos in Ramaisha. The shaila was that you're going to see chilul Shabbos, and you don't want to be in an environment where you have to see chilul Shabbos. So should you delay a mila so that you won't have to witness Chil Shabbos? That was the Shaila Rav Moshe was asked. First of all, it's a remarkable tshuva. Because Rav Moshe says, I would have said, well, what's the din of seeing Chil Shabbos? I mean, like, what's, there's no halachi not allowed to see Chil Shabbos. Rav Moshe says, yes, there is. It's a Chil Hashem to witness Chil Shabbos. And his raya is that the Gemara in Yuma Daf Ayin tells us that if you're witnessing the Avodah on Yom HaKippurim, it's a kiyum of Barovam Hadras Melech. Elamai, if you want to go witness a different Avodah, it's not a violation of Ein Ma'avirun al-Mitzvos, because it's at least you're being, uh, because, because you're, only, you're only being Mavir on Barovam Hadras Melech, you're not being Mavir on the Mitzvah itself. But witnessing Avodah is a kiyum of Barovah Madras Melech. Why? You're not participating, you're not doing anything, you're just watching. Watching Avodah Hashem is a cover Hashem, and therefore watching Chilul Hashem, Chilul Shabbos is a Chilul Hashem, Ramesha says. So Ramesha says, so don't, you don't want to be in a place, but it's not enough of a reason to push off the bris. For that, witnessing witnessing Chilul is bad, but not enough of a reason to push off the bris. So if us is not really arguing on Ramesh, if us is saying, if you're being Goreim Chil Shabbos, then it's enough of a reason, yeah? But why is this bris? I'm sure it's in the shadow of your brother, Palo Alto, California. Why are you building Chil Shabbos anyway? So my area, Simcha, my area, no Simcha. All right, so that's, uh, it could be that you're causing more Chil Shabbos. They're all going to drive. My brother happened to be pushed off the bris. He said he was, thank God he did. He said he probably would not have been able to stomach it on Shabbos because on Sunday they were serving like Chazer Treif at the, at the Suda's bris. Like he couldn't believe it. So uh, he was very happy that he ended up pushing off. There's a lot more that Rav Ozner has to say about uh, Halacha, and I encourage you to go and learn many, many of his shuvahs.